0: Hey everybody! Want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard, and man, does it get hard. That's why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz, and I am today your scratchy-throated, rather sick, recovering host. Uh, my wife and I have both been down with an upper respiratory infection for the last week. It's kind of funny living together we're both rather chatty with each other and with others and when you're not able to talk with each other it's kind of humorous when my granddaughter found out that I wasn't able to speak she pumped her fist and said thank goodness Uh, apparently in her view I talk too much Uh, but anyway I still wanted to get this episode out uh, because speaking of granddaughters um the podcast we're doing today is uh, really exciting for me personally. It's something that is very close to my heart, and uh, that is talking about grandparents on a mission. Uh, those of you who are grandparents know that there's tremendous privilege and responsibility to come alongside, partnering with your own kids as they're raising their their children, your grandchildren. And uh, we are so blessed to have two grandchildren. Nora, who's seven years old, and little Reese, who's just over one years old. Uh, They belong to wonderful parents who love the Lord and are committed to to raise them uh, just to be God-fearing kids. And my wife and I live in the same town, and it's just so rich to be able to uh, spend a lot of time with them and to see as part of our mission uh, to uh, partner with the parents in raising godly kids, godly grandchildren. Uh, So uh, I'm probably doing you a favor if I uh, hurry up with this introduction. I'm going to be interviewing John and Leba Curlin. They have written a book actually called Grandparents on a Mission, and uh, they both are joyful parents of seven children, 31 grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren. John is a former OBGYN. Leba is a supportive wife and mother. They both have spent their lives intentionally investing in their family through family retreats, Bible studies, good news clubs, mission trips, and focused times of prayer. Uh, You're going to find this a very encouraging podcast. Uh, Do pass it on to your elders, your pastors, other grandparents that you know. Oh, and I do want to make one disclaimer before you listen to this. I kind of laugh at myself after the podcast because there were a number of times where uh, the curlins uh, mentioned someone and I happened to know them and they were all excited about that so uh, a lot of uh, uh, humble pie here on my part I uh, seem to be name dropping a lot during this thing um, so maybe I was but also excited that there was a connection with certain people that they looked up to uh, so anyway let's go ahead and jump into this I know you'll enjoy it So good to have John and Leva Perlin on my podcast today. How are you both doing?
1: We're doing well, thank you. Hi.
0: And you live where?
1: We live in the outskirts of Jackson, Tennessee. It's actually about 13 miles from Jackson, but we lived in Jackson, which is on Interstate 40 between Memphis and Nashville uh, okay. for all my years of practice as an obstetrician gynecologist.
0: Oh, wonderful! Okay, I did not know that about you. Well, you're you're both new friends. Uh, the reason I am doing this podcast is you both grandparents, and you wrote a book entitled "Grandparents on Mission" and the impact grandparents have on the spiritual development of their grandchildren. And it was a tremendous book. I'm a I'm a very devoted grandfather myself, uh, a papa to two wonderful kids, and so this was really helpful for me. Uh, before we talk about that, just share a little bit about yourselves, what you do, your family.
2: Well, and Leba, I always I,
0: like to ask, what is it that you're most passionate about? And I think I think I know what your answer will be to that. <laughs>
1: Leba is the author of the book; is her name is in the big print. Uh, I am right. a contributor just to fill in details of memory, but her memory is actually better than mine, also. So it is really Leba's ability to write a uh, book of, of our life experiences. I'm an OB, I was an W-G-Y-N in practice for 30 plus years in Jackson at the Jackson Clinic. Uh, we had I trained at the University of Arkansas in Little Rock. We went from there to Yokosuka, Japan for three years uh, at the time of Vietnam. Mm. I was in the Yokosuka, I was in the medical corps of the Navy at Yokosuka oh, Naval goodness. Hospital. And we had a marvelous mm. experience there, particularly because we had missionary friends. Well, what missionaries who we met and became dear friends uh, mm-hmm. and who really mentored us for the three years we were there, uh, plus lots of others. We came back because we felt like we were supposed to trust the Lord, but didn't have any idea where we were going to go. So we ended up in Carbondale, Illinois. They were going to develop a new medical school at Southern Illinois University. And the Carbondale Clinic, I thought, would be a good place to start. But because of different circumstances, it didn't seem to be a place to stay. So we then began to look and, again, trust the Lord. What are we supposed to do? How do you leave a place you thought you were supposed to come to in in a year? And um, Mm. so we we had to work through that, having freedom to leave. Um, And then we came to Jackson, which really worked very well. The story gets more complicated. I had a brother who had a severe stroke, while I was in residency, but in my last year, he then got, he was in Fort Smith, Arkansas, was transferred to Little Rock VA Hospital. We were part of its care for a very short period of time, then came to Japan. I felt like and shared with Lee, but we were supposed to be responsible for his care when we returned to the US, and she agreed. So that then plays a role in our move to Jackson, Tennessee, because mm-hmm. that's only 80 miles from Memphis where she grew up. And all of her family still lived. And my living, uh, well, of course, my brother was living then. But my father died when I was two. My mother never remarried. Hmm. She lived alone in Marion, Arkansas, a very small community across the river from Memphis. And uh, so she was within reach And it worked out, and we won't go into all the story of how he got here. He lived with us 13 years. Uh, Leba really was instrumental in providing his help because we did also feel like we were supposed to trust the Lord. This was back in residency, soon after marriage, for our children. And by that time, we had four and was working on five. Well, the fifth one was born before we came, so... We had five in, in Jackson, and then two more came. Bob. Uh,
0: okay, okay, wonderful. Ahead, yeah, you, you, it, it's interesting. You you relate these things in the book, and it also plays a role in uh, the you know the impact on your grandchildren. You know, taking care of your brother for thirteen years, uh, losing your mother, your, your father, your mother never married. Those are things that had an influence on
2: mm-hmm. on uh,
0: on your grandchildren, your children. Uh, so, how many uh, leave? how many children and, and or grandchildren and or, or perhaps even great-grandchildren do you have
3: we have seven children all married 31 grandchildren five great-grandchildren and another on the way
0: that's wonderful so we're busy
3: and i mean there's they're marrying now pretty pretty frequently the grandchildren the yeah, yeah. youngest is 4 well the youngest of our children is um 41 to 55 that's how old our children are and the kids are getting in their twenties and so forth. So, we we that's kind of a real. That's story.
0: amazing. Yeah, you know my my parents, my parents, are in their 90s. my parents are in their nineties. My parents are in their nineties. They have thirty four great grandchildren. Okay. So, and that that's with I think about twenty grandchildren, and that all that comes out of four children. So it's yeah, that's it's uh, it's very similar. Yeah. Well, oh. it, uh, look. Let's go ahead and jump in here, uh, because, again, obviously what you're most passionate about is, is I think, grandparenting. And you wrote this book, Grandparents on Mission, Inviting Your Children to Walk with God. Why did you write the book?
3: Well, frankly, to be very honest with you, Dwight Smith, whom you have already interviewed, I think, kept Mm -hmm. pressing me to do it. Mm. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. There's a Yeah, enough He
0: kept saying, you have a story. You have a story to tell and
3: needs to right. be shared. And I kept saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And finally, he he was like the importunate widow. He bothered me so much that <laughs> I said, okay, I'll try to do it. And I'll try to get other people to contribute that I know are very, you know, love the Lord and, and get them to write their story about their grandparents. And I got a lot mm-hmm. of things, a lot of them wouldn't do it. But when I gave it to the editor who put it together, she said, Libba, it's going to be too long and too convoluted to try to do it as wide as you would have liked. And I really have focused more on your background, family influence and everything. I kind of said I didn't Mm -hmm. want it to be about me. But that's kind of why we have so many family stories that are in there. So that's that's how, you know, I I had a great, great influence on my grandparents. My my grandparents had a great influence on me. Mm So uh, Just briefly, I'll tell you my great- I'll just interrupt
1: to say mine had less influence, but a significant influence. But Mm -hmm. her her experience as we were married and sharing with me, I kind of bought into the story uh, and felt like- part
2: of that.
3: So my great grandmother as a child, I would sit at her feet and she would tell me all the stories of her family reunions and her cousins and what they did and how they had to memorize a Bible verse for every meal. The boys always tried to get away with Jesus wet and were sent back to memorize a different <laughs> one. <laughs> but I just thought- yeah, my grand-
0: my granddaughter tries to use that one on Wednesday nights <laughs> to get candy for Etiwana and the the leaders catchers like you used that one last week. It's not going to work. <laughs> so she'll good. come to me, and she she'll come to me and say, "Papa, what's a quick Bible verse I can use?" <laughs> and uh, so so I guess candy's a good motivation to learn the Bible. Anyway,
3: that was the scene <laughs> in my life that I very much mm-hmm. started thinking about it very young to do something like, like our retreats.
0: Yeah, well, I, I love that. Um, what what was the most exciting thing about writing the book? And and I, I'd also be curious. Uh, what was your grandchildren's response to it? Did they read the book? Have they read it? Some of them maybe haven't, but, but what's they, been the response?
3: The children have read the book. Our children have okay. read it because they contributed some to it because they were so influenced. And the, and some of the grandchildren have the book and have started, but that's a good thing because I need to ask them.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, their parents well, sometimes when they're up. so when they're so close to you, Uh, you know, they, they, you know, familiarity, sometimes uh, they take for granted the. (laughs) they
3: have to wait till we're dead.
0: (laughs) And then it becomes important. Yeah, One
1: who I know has read it and is one of the older and thinkers and all of that part said, you know, it's, it's just like I lived it. Mm. And, And that was his comment. He didn't
3: say a whole lot
0: more.
1: He said, he just big smile on his face, just like I lived it.
0: What did you enjoy most in writing it?
3: Well, just reading other people's responses to their grandparents, thinking about it and mm-hmm. having community about that. And then particularly just going over the gratefulness of what I had experienced and seeing how my children were influenced by John's mother and my parents, because, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and my, uh, my grandmother, who would have been their great grandmother, but it was just a very, and seeing also how, I think even Jim, John's paralyzed brother who lived with us because he was divorced by his wife and had five children and mm. what what they gained by his being in our home. They were just, it was fun to, it was special to read. And then I was glad to get it finished. <laughs> you asked me. I was glad to yeah, get it going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are everyday things that have, you know, you the, the lessons we leave with our children and grandchildren are not necessarily sitting down and, and and say hey here are the things you need to know it's what they observe uh my kind of similar to you except it's it's not our home my my wife's brother uh is disabled he had a stroke when he was 28 after falling from a third-story window and uh he's a lot has happened since then the breakdown of his family as well but he lives here in the same town as we do in a nursing home and uh on most wednesdays i pick up my granddaughter and we stop in at the nursing home and she always picks flowers out of the bushes and brings them in and gives it to all the ladies
2: in the nursing
0: home. And uh, I, I know this is having an impact on her. Sure, you know. It and is. I think that's that's a lot of what you describe in your book from, uh, you know, them observing your your uh, you know, your your brother and brother in law going through all this. Uh, I
1: think too, and to say it humbly. Well, John.
0: I, yeah, go ahead. Mm. I was just going to say, I I was impressed
1: and made it uh, made the comment often to my own children and then on to the grandchildren. You don't know how much we've been blessed by God because we were willing to do this. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because we had to trust the Lord. It wasn't because we were so sweet and nice, and that was our natural bent. Uh, Mm
2: -hmm. It
1: was purely the Lord's direction. And it's another point in if you're willing to be obedient, it, it just pays off.
3: And I, want, I just want to say that about, it, because this was really a, a, a yeah. huge point in my life. When John told me that, I went, oh, I don't have a gift of nursing. What am I going to do? You know, he's paralyzed. What are the, all the thousands of things? I'll never be able to drive to church alone with John ever again. Oh, I mean, such yeah. selfish thoughts. I said, Lord, help me. And I was reading where it said that after David, you know, after Uzzah was killed, and it said that the ark of God was left at Obed-Edom's house. And it says, mm-hmm. and God bless all that Obed-Edom had his whole household because the ark of God rested in his house. And the Holy spirit said to me, because Jim is going to be at your house. That's what I'm going to do for your family. And I mean, it was like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think of David taking in, uh,
3: I can't pronounce
0: his name. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. After, uh, uh, Saul had died and, uh, that's, that's really an example in the Bible of, uh, uh, of the blessing that comes from that. So you you uh, you indicate in the book the importance of partnering with your children uh, in raising your grandchildren to to love Jesus to love the gospel. Uh, you note that the primary responsibility of raising the children belongs to the their parents, your children. Uh, so what does that partnership look like? How do you how do you do it without perhaps communicating that, uh, you know, you're not doing what you shouldn't be doing. So we're kind of <laughs> stepping in. <laughs> and fortunately in our case, our, you know, the, our daughter and her husband love the Lord and it's just easy, you know, it's fun to partner with them and to have a role in that. But, but yeah, how, how would you process that?
3: Well, why don't you want to answer it? Well, I think, as I mentioned in the book, when your children and their spouses encourage your relationship, that helps a whole lot. Now, if you have one it's mm-hmm. really not two. you have to trust the Lord, I think, on doing things that they enjoy that you can, that are right and good and, you know, having them over to spend the night or taking them out to eat lunch. If you're in the same community or writing them a letter, what they live far away and sharing now on cell phones, just maybe something you've thought about or you're interested in. And, and some of them respond better than others. Some of them really pick up on it. And others don't. And then you just pray, you pray and you pray and you pray for their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, not all your parent your children do exactly what you think they ought to do, because mm-hmm. there's a combination effort between them and their spouses. And sometimes they, they have areas where they're not always exactly on the same page. So we just we would we would see things that we thought were deficient. We would just pray. And God answered, I can think of one particular, really one. I Mm -hmm. thought it's a miracle of grace to see how these kids are all walking with the Lord. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. at different different levels, at different times. It didn't mean it was a total smooth sailing for all of them. But, and it, you know, until we see Jesus, that's what it's like. But um, I would say that, and if you have a good relationship with your children, even if, I think even if they're not believers, because I know of a precious saint, whose son is a not believer who grew up in parents were in Christian ministry and he he takes his children to go to a Christian school they read bible stories every night his wife's not a believer and they welcome her into their mm. home and so she has the opportunity to talk to him about Jesus he doesn't stop it so that's a grace moment now if, the, if they totally shut you down in every way you just you have to just pray and say lord would you show me how an open door that i can step in in good conscience to develop a relationship that hopefully they'll see you you and and what you've done but it's it's got to be the lord so do you have something else
1: Yeah no i i can think of lots of things i i told our kids as they were growing up that into a, they were young adults and and what most a lot of most of them had not married by that time I said, it seems like to me an observation that we always are reacting to the negative. So your decisions about parenting are going to be a lot of, uh, a result of what you felt negative about. And mm-hmm. Great, and then it'll also be what you felt positive about. So you've got those two. Then you marry somebody who brings a whole different set of yeah. positive and negatives, and you've got to work those out and find out, okay, what do we mutually hold as positive and negatives? And so it's very important for the parents, because we saw this, to communicate what, and you mentioned it, what are the positives for us, but also admitting the negatives that are shaping us, that maybe are influencing us in some of our reactions that they might be picking up. So we, we just tried to have open discussions about these things. Mm-hmm. And they all share it with their kids. And so in our gatherings, we have all these funny things of telling all the stories that would sound critical, but nobody feels like they're critical because they've all owned them and share how it is affecting them and in their walk with the Lord. So we have that kind of freedom now because yeah. of working through some of those.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, well, yeah, and you 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 mentioned, I mean, this is obviously if your uh, grandchildren are living near you, that parents are busy, they're working, and that that's an opportunity for grandparents to uh play a huge role. So what what have you seen there?
3: Well, you can pick them up from school. It's a great conversation mm-hmm. in the car. I love oh, that. yes, yes. And, and they're real talkative. What you could and and uh they're you know, you hear kind of their perspective on life that you wouldn't hear otherwise about mm-hmm. what's going on. Maybe once in a while, take them to get a Coke or, a you know, ice cream or some kind of little treat on the way home or bring them a brownie or something. And um, just and have them spend the night, play a board game, do something they like to do. Uh, I love to play Scrabble with some of my grandchildren. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not a very wide board game player, but some of the fun mm-hmm. games, because you can talk about it. Talk about other things while you're doing it, which is, yes. yeah, anyway, they're just, those are just some of the things.
0: What's the, uh, what's the greatest question one of your grandkids has asked you? I know I'm putting you on the spot there, or maybe the funniest thing they've asked you or said,
3: I can't think of anything. I can't
1: know, think what, <laughs> what leads to things coming up is they uh, repetitively ask me to tell, tell them the story of my salvation. Mm. because I went through a period of intense rebellion. I don't know if it was rebellion as much as just looking for some kind of meaning and and pleasure in life and looking all in the dark side rather than the light side, because I felt like I'd seen that side and it didn't offer anything. So Mm. I had this just very long list of unbelievable things God did in my life to protect me and bring me along to the point that I was willing to surrender and give it up, uh, which was in medical school, actually. And I was at the point of, I think this is it. I'm gone. Um, Mm. But they love hearing the story. And so they often comment on different things that then gives me an opportunity to keep talking to them. I, I have found in adult conversation or any conversation, if you don't press your own agenda, but if you just wait, and listen for the openings, uh, and then see what the take is, and maybe there's no take at all. Uh, but then to go that way. So there have been a lot of discussions that have led to things. I don't remember one just thing that hit me, oh, they want to know so and so, but they do want to know the story.
0: Yeah, I love that. And and the fact that they they know the story but want to hear it again. Yeah. You know, my uh my dad my dad grew up in Holland during World War Two and uh, their family would hide Jews in their home. And uh, in fact, my grandfather was arrested by the Nazis the, uh, uh, the day after the Cory Tembom family was arrested. He was smuggling rationing cards for them and was arrested the next day after they were arrested. Mm-hmm. And so we, we would always say, Dad, tell us that story again. And now my granddaughter is often asking to tell that story. So oh, well, really I might be my house. <laughs> wow,
3: that's wonderful, yeah, wonderful.
0: Yeah. Leba, you, you mentioned that your, your own father, when you all would gather, would say something like, Who has something to share that would benefit, benefit us spiritually? Um, I, I love that. How, how important is it to talk about spiritual things uh, to where it's natural?
3: Well, my parents had a, they were very friendly and we would have special speakers and, and mother would, daddy would go up and after church and say, is, is, did anybody invite you for lunch? No. Well, why don't you come eat lunch with us? I mean, on the spur of the mm. moment or Tuesday night. Okay. It's amazing how many stories they've got because they just simply asked and mm. people came and we, then they sat around the table. We were there and it, it we love to hear their stories. And so it if you had... If you had somebody over to eat, and if it was especially if you didn't know them as early in the front stages, you would say, mm-hmm. "How did you meet the Lord?" Just what you're asking us today. Tell us, tell us about yourself, and then, then what's the Lord showing you spiritually is a question. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think we, we need to do it more with our own grandchildren. Yeah. John John was very good. That was the first thing that John asked me. I think when we started dating, as a, and after a blind date, what is the Lord showing you spiritually? And that Mm. was so much fun to think about it and to articulate it because he was showing me something at that particular time he was impressing on me and it's different stages of life. He's speaking to you about different things of where you are. So it
2: was
3: very interesting to me growing up. I loved it. Most people like a good story. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they learn a lot from that. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, You talk about the importance of reading uh, to your grandchildren uh, what what have you seen there? And uh, do I mean we, we hear a lot of negative stuff about kids not liking to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how do you how do you uh, how are you uh, handling that in a in a context where perhaps there's a lot of social media and you know books are still important. What what advice and encouragement would you give there to grandparents?
3: Well, if I have a granddaughter, I think particularly who lives far away, when she was here for a week, I, I had a couple of books or one book. I thought this will be good because I didn't know where she was exactly spiritually. Mm-hmm. So w- we would read it out loud at night before we went to bed. We'd read just a little short chapter. She'd read a page. I'd read a page. And she liked it. And we discussed mm-hmm. it. And Mimosa by Amy Carmichael. I have read that with several of my granddaughter's. Mm. The, and they've been with me and they would all say what an impacting book that has been on their life mm. it was for me so i thought well, i'm gonna share with you with you or i gave it to them and then asked them i had another situation where i said why don't you read a chapter and i'll read a chapter and we'll talk every week or two but the book that i picked was not the genre that she enjoyed yeah and so it kind of went flat so i went you know let's just wait Let's just don't. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to push it because I could tell, oh, I didn't read my chapter, you know, Mm -hmm. but when they're here and they're here for more than three or four days, if you have a short time, you can do it um, just maybe after breakfast or before a convenient time when you're with them and talk about it. So I I think some are more open to it because they like reading better. And um, I just, you know, I, I share them on email or in a text a book that has been meaningful. And I think some pick up and, and so. It's just, yeah. Oh,
0: you know, and that's another point too, that when you're reading something that is exciting to you, just talking about it to your grandkids, I, I yeah. think can have a huge impact.
1: Oh, definitely. In the, in their younger ages, it, I told Leba that one of the things that used to motivate me before I met her was I want to find a woman to marry who will enjoy reading the Bible to my children
2: because
1: Mm. I've chosen a profession that I'm not going to be home as much as I would like. And that is something that stood out to me is essential information was just listening from early on to the Bible stories. Well, little did I know I was going to get the master of the reading. uh, But so that was an answered prayer. But it is important if if a the a parent doesn't enjoy reading to the child, the child is unlikely except we have mm-hmm. they do love to read on their own. Um, and then we found that biographies, yeah, spoke hugely mm-hmm. in our own lives, particularly in our adolescence. Mission biographies, other biographies. So the story of how people trusted God in this uh, the, and there's no end to them. But it's amazing to us. How few people know any of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Tell about George Verber, Leva, just now,
3: I was in my small group the other night, and George mm-hmm. Verber... Uh, died what, a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was. And I and, uh, was reading some of the amazing stories. Listen, even listen to what John Piper said about the influence he had on his life. And I said, did y'all know George Verwer died? And they looked at me with a blank look. And none of them knew who George Verwer was. Yeah.
0: he's He was with O.M., right? Yeah, he yeah with O.M., yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And, and he, at our age, he was hugely influential. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh,
3: at yeah. Yeah. Urbana, everybody would say, wow, when he got up. But they had great things happen.
1: <laughs> Books like... Uh, Oh, what was his name? He lived out west and wrote the uh, Lord of the uh what
0: was it? Uh
1: Peace Peace Child. Oh and, Peace Child,
0: yes. Yes. And yeah, I grew up times. I grew up with him in uh, in Papua. His uh his son was my best friend growing up. but uh, oh, Don, really? oh, yeah, Don Richardson. Yeah, Don oh, Richardson. yeah, he he had more to, the extended time. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> and then the heart. the Lord the The Lords of the Lords of the Earth is yeah. Oh, now that one has got
3: to be one of my top biographies. Lord yeah,
0: you. yeah. Bruco. yeah. Those are will yeah. Those yeah. Those are great books to read because they're classics. You know, The Hiding Place, Cory. Yeah, Tengon. yeah. Uh, Run, Baby Run, Nikki Cruz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're giving ideas to people here. Uh, let me ask you when because you talk about this in your book, when your relationship with each grandchild is going to be different. And uh, you refer to uh, bending the bow with them. What do you mean by that?
3: Okay, I'm gonna let John tell that story of how we got Okay. Well,
1: in our early years of marriage, before we ever had a child, we started talking about it. We were both very oriented to having children. Uh, I grew up, I have one brother, five years older than I was. and I, my, no, no living father. My mother didn't date. She was one woman man. That was it. Um, but it was lonely. And when I was in her family's, with, and I had some cousins that were three or like that, I thought this is just so much better. So I wanted to be in a family of children. Um, and then Leva said, I, I tell the story that Leva asked me how many children I wanted, and I said, well, four. And I really meant three, but I thought that would cover me.
2: <laughs> and
1: uh, so we got married. She said five, and I thought, well, I can stretch mm-hmm. it maybe even to that. And we got married, and we compromised and had seven. <laughs> um, so it, anyway <laughs> back to that uh, just the, the impact and the stories. Um, i now I'm lost where I was. The so dead. Dead. Oh, the boat is been so, the boat, yeah, yeah. So we started looking for good parenting information and. There was a little, but not much available by today's standard. It's just all kinds. Yeah,
3: fifty-six.
1: But um, mm-hmm. Joe, what was what, yeah. Joe Temple? Joe Temple From in Texas. In, in uh, I can't remember what city in Texas. Now, what his church was had a, this was old reel-to-reel tapes. There were no cassettes yet. Mm-hmm. He had a series on parenting of reel-to-reel tapes, and he's the one that came up with this illustration of mm. study your child and study the way the bow is bent. And he used, what was this? Mm.
3: 22 six. train yeah. up a child the way he should go and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. This is what mm-hmm. he, he, showed some words in there that had this, Both this, this of um, metaphoric illustration.
2: Yeah.
1: Of what it
3: meant. And he said, if you don't know the way it's bent, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, because to make the bow ready to do its job. Uh, so the way God has made it, that it's going to, uh, he's going to use it in the kingdom. And so that just stuck with us. Uh, hmm. We have through the years talked about Joe Temple and the tapes, and well, I don't think we've ever run anybody, have we, that ever heard him except us? No,
3: but you can Google him. I think it's difficult. <laughs> they were yeah, still no, amazing. Yeah,
0: they
1: were just better.
3: just
0: just teaching your kids about reel to reel recording is yeah uh-huh, is a, is fascinating. Whatever. Yeah, and this this might not have been the case, or is a case with your children, but it certainly is with a lot of grandparents that uh, uh, a grandchild, you know, perhaps a little older teens or older, is not walking with the Lord, uh, and, and they might even not be receptive to you engaging with them about spiritual things. And you even you even do talk about when a relationship isn't welcome. You actually have a section. Uh, so there's an adapting there, right, in in how you relate. So so speak to the grandparent who right now is burdened about uh, having a difficult time relating to a teen or older who's not walking with the Lord as a, a grandchild.
3: Wow, boy, do I know many. That's true. I, mm. I mean, practically all of them, at least having one yeah. or so. I think. Mm. I think. I, I mean, people say prayer, prayer, prayer. People talk about prayer, but I mean earnest prayer day and night and praying on the hook in the car, Lord, you're the only one to open their eyes and even to give me a relationship. And I'm trusting you and I'm listening to you and I'm waiting on you and I'm calling out to you about uh, this child. And I think once again, I go back to show me, is there any way to develop a relationship or, or, you know, for them, for me to show them that I, that I love them, whether it's hugging them when When I see see them, smiling at them when, when we were together, giving them some kind of a, of a, uh, of a warm greeting. My sister told about uh, someone that she knows, a grandmother whose grandson was not walking with the Lord, who loved the Lord. And she talked about him coming into a family reunion. And she went over to him and just embraced him. And she said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. She said, I'm mm-hmm. so glad you're here. And, and she said that really spoke to her. And one of her, I mean, I just, I just practically everybody is going through the pain of that because our culture has gotten so dark in so many, so many ways that it influences our kids. Kids don't like to be different.
1: I'll, I'll tell you, a quick story yeah. of our life. Our, one of our children from very early, from very early seemed to pull back from relationship, especially with me. He seemed to fear me from like two mm. years old. And I tried to do everything, but I, I kind of in my naivety at the point uh, thought, well, if he doesn't want a, me to make advances to him relationally, then I ought to not push it uh, and, mm-hmm. and make it worse for him. But I didn't make the, the what I think in retrospect, I should have said, is that means I've got to work a lot harder.
2: Yeah, yeah. Great finding, point.
1: finding what he does respond to. Now in adult life it's all worked out now, but he can remember it. He can remember it and really living in fear of me. And I didn't think mm. I was at, I'm only I was only five seven then I'm now five five. I was that fearful, <laughs> uh, you know. He, uh, it, for him, I gave up too early in yeah. doing it. Now the Lord in His grace mm-hmm. and we can always fall back on grace worked it out with time. But it could have been a lot better if I hadn't given up. I'm trying to make the relationship.
3: I think of a couple of other illustrations. I think of one that I know right now, yeah, this girl's better. in her fifties. Yeah. Had, yeah. Turned. And she told me when she was young, she said she, even she had a push off to her. And so the parents thought just what John said, she didn't want it. But finally, when her relationship with her mother was restored, she said, I wanted you to keep coming back to me. I wanted you mm-hmm. to hug me, but I was as stiff as a board. She said, I wanted that. I wanted, I wanted something that said you cared about me because she did care about her, but she was mm-hmm. scared because she kept having that bristle, bristle, just, you know, don't touch me or don't. In a sense of don't touch my shoulder or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that is Lord, how, what am I Am I supposed to keep pursuing this? Am I still supposed to keep asking them out for lunch and just listening to him? What are you doing? What's going on with your life? Asking questions. But anyway, mm-hmm. my, one and then there was another one that flew out of my mind. So while well, wow, that's flown out,
1: them. and our youngest uh, grandchildren are Josie's, what six now, or she'll be seven and be seven, and to seven, fourteen, maybe. and they seven. went through a period of just didn't want anything to do with us. But now, by continuing, and fortunately, they live close to us. So Leva's done all kinds of carpooling, babysitting, all kinds of things. And they're very close now. They just come and hug me. They both sent me cards, or the two youngest ones sent me cards because I've been dealing with some health issues. And uh, so it does happen if you can trust the Lord to persevere and keep maintain relationship uh, in, the, in it that you never cast saying I don't want anything to do with you if you don't yeah. want it do with me.
0: Yeah, um, that's but, that's so important. Yeah, what I yeah the key thing I'm hearing you say is don't pull away. When they seem to be pulling away and uh, but but read it, read it carefully, you know, don't overdo it, um, but be sensitive to it. Um, You talk about stones of remembrances. What What are you discussing there?
3: Well, I think it's there are points in your life, especially if you know the people's story or your story is there. There have been moments in their life that were really life-changing either a relationship or making a decision at a point and i, mm-hmm. I you know like i went left rather i mean i went right rather than left and uh the stones of remembrance of when you trusted the lord and this is you found the faithfulness of god just like mm-hmm. the stones that were left in the jordan so and mounted up so israel will remember this is what god did for us it was it was mm-hmm. a miracle
1: yeah, that's where it came from, and we borrowed it from someone who I was. I did a conference with in working with young pastors, and he had developed the stones of remembrance and had a stone for each of them for this time that they were together to be of remembrance. So it always stuck after he kind of solidified it uh, for us.
3: It's interesting how often the, the in the Bible how God reminds Israel of what He did when He brought them through the Red Sea. And through the Jordan and through, you know, remember that word, remember is such a wonderful word. Let's remember this. Let's remember his goodness, even in the midst of the testing. Let's remember this. And I think those are good yeah. times. Thanksgiving, Christmas gathering, you say, let's remember something really good you want to thank the Lord for. And, it, you know, after yeah. the that everybody does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I was thinking about that too, that in the Bible, there's constantly the rehearsing of history and even. Peter in his sermon in Acts uh, 2, yeah. Stephen in his sermon in Acts uh, 6 and 7. Uh, you know, of course, there the stones were thrown at him, but he still mm-hmm. went through and yeah. gave the it's really yeah, it's rehearsing the gospel, isn't it? And that, that's been so important for me as a grandparent that I'm talking a lot about the gospel, what the gospel is. Uh, How it's impacted story. my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. the story.
3: And your father, like you said, your grandfather, your father, the one mm-hmm. that was in Holland. That's an amazing story to have yeah. in your family. I mean, that would be a key thing. I, yeah. know, I can remember. Oh,
0: absolutely. That's a father. That's a boulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
3: is.
1: Knowing certain things about my family like that, not nothing quite that impressive, but like that gave me a sense of self-confidence that maybe I wasn't mm. as worthless as I felt uh, that, that did help me. So I think the stones of remembrance are really instrumental of God memories. It's going back to memories. And then if we're thanking him out of that memory and praising him, uh, it just sets mm-hmm. up that cycle of where we're more aware of his presence and what he's doing in our life.
0: Yeah. we really good. Well, uh, Dwight Smith, our, our common friend that, uh, connected us, uh, has a section in the book talking about the uh, the impact that death has on on grandchildren. Uh, he's not here to talk about that, but what? How important is that, and what what's the idea there?
3: Well, I, we've had a lot of experience about it this year because my mother uh, died in September, uh, and mm. literally three weeks from her ninety seventh birthday, and she was much adored by. Lots of people besides her family, Mm. and we had a fabulous time of remembering all that she uh, taught us about the scripture and the word and wrote letters and gave books to people about the Lord and Bibles. And Mm. it was just full of a time of memory. So even though there was a granddaughter that was very young, she looked so sad. And I I said, Abigail, she said, it's so sad. And I said, "Well, it is sad." I said, "But how can mm. she's with the Lord?" And she, she, we're going to see her again. And I said, "She was ready to go see Jesus." i that's something that mm. I said like that, that you can just emphasize what the hope that we have in heaven, the promise of seeing mm. him, all of that. And then three months later, we had a different kind of death to go grieve. My thirty-one-year-old niece's thirty-three-year-old husband was killed in a plane crash.
2: Mm. Three months to oh, the day
3: later. Now that was a grief. It was very, very different. Yes, you lose your husband mm. and your two little children who will never know him, a wonderful father and husband. Mm. And then it brought back a lot of the opportunity to even share about my grandmother, whose husband was killed in a plane crash when she was thirty, mm. and the different things. But that God took care of her. Remember, you trust Him, and she got up at this funeral. I mean, it was something else.
1: This is nice. she's back to the my days.
3: niece. My niece got up. At yes, the and she said she shared in the most amazing way. She said, I don't understand it. And the grief, there's great grief because I wanted my children to know him. But she said, I know God has a good plan Mm -hmm. and he knows what he's doing, whether I do or not. And I'm going to trust him. Mm -hmm. Give thanks. Wow. Crazy. And what an example. Wow.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
3: And I would say
1: from watching the influence of a grandmother and great-grandmother who had really touched the, all those lives? There must have been seventy family members there, and many of them, uh, thirty or younger, that had all been influenced by her life. And then seeing one young, much younger, so she didn't have that extended family there. But those mm-hmm. who were there were touched just as much in a different way about God's sufficiency—if He was sufficient that she could get up and share that at that funeral. Then wow, so they yeah, they both were very impactful from a very different perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, uh, so so death has, uh, I mean, it's it's a reality of life. It happens Thanks. to everybody. Uh, acknowledging it with children, speak of the hope we have in Christ, uh, but but also our our own mortality. You know that yeah. that life is brief, and uh, you can instill this. Uh, uh, you know the, the, the what Solomon talks about the, you know, eternity in our hearts uh, is, is established. I think when we realize that this life is brief and, and we're vulnerable people where accidents happen. And uh, so, yeah.
3: I want to say one more thing when you said that is we are reading mm-hmm. in our daily morning at uh, Randy Alcorn's book of Spurgeon's meditations on heaven. and They are oh, phenomenal mm, and it's called mm. we shall see God. And I, He's got more fascinating angles. Well,
1: you, you knew Spurgeon was great, but you just didn't know how great. I
3: mean, yeah, bro, I love Spurgeon. Yes. And then yeah. Alcorn ain't bad either. It is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful to read to your children, high school children. Yeah. But you say, isn't this amazing that this is yeah. what we have to look forward to and trust the Lord for? So, anyway, I had to mention it because I think it's a very superb book and a great one to give to a lot of people. And brief yeah. enough that yeah. somebody can read it. Don't. Yeah. Little bitty ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the things I'm getting out of this part of our conversation is is the freedom of talking about death, yeah. you know, not avoiding it, talking about eternity, right. and uh, how at the center of that is the cross of Jesus, and uh, the gospel is about us being rescued from this life and being. Uh, brought into a, a kingdom of the sunny loves that John, I think, 524 talks about.
2: Oh, so um,
0: yeah, you do. We'll uh, we'll wrap up here soon. But you talk about the importance of your grandkids seeing you read the Bible, uh, even having an open Bible in the room. How, how important have you seen that? It's very, it mm-hmm. very important for me. It's
2: very important for me. And
0: John's mother.
1: Every once in a while, we'll hear one of them comment on it. I don't remember anything mm-hmm. specifically, but they talk about it. Um, and as they get older, they tend to talk more and reflecting back in memories of, oh, when I was in this room, I remember seeing so-and-so, those types of things. So, you know, it has influence, although you may not understand exactly where yeah. that influence took them.
2: Laura. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I gained that from my father. He was always in the word and my mother as well. And, my, a few weeks ago, my grandmother, my grand, my granddaughter said, uh, uh, Papa Papa is the one who reads the Bible the most in our family.
3: <laughs> That's a great compliment. It,
0: was it my, is. It is. Yeah. It was a, a yeah. great
3: compliment. And John's mother was a fabulous Bible teacher, and she studied it all the time. Mm-hmm. She, she taught two classes regularly every week mm-hmm. in different scripture for years and years and years. And she talked about how the Lord talks to her through what he's teaching her and what now she's, she's a very transparent woman. People loved her teaching because she was so honest about herself and Mm -hmm. um, it, and she, oh, how she loved the word of God. My mother did. I saw her get up every morning on the blue couch and she was reading it. My dad would read it too, even in the evening, some or early in the morning before he went to work. So, and I even remember very well, they're praying on their knees, hearing them pray Mm -hmm for us. And that was hugely impacting.
2: Yeah, but yeah, My
3: mother said, if you want to know the Lord, you've got to find out what he loves and what he hates and have a relationship mm. with. Him. And he's given us his book, his love letter to know him and to grow in him. And so that that gripped me. And I'm praying for my grandchildren who don't love to read very much. Mm-hmm. Except little snippets of this and that, I'm praying for a hunger that they'll learn to read it so they'll mm-hmm. find it so better than anything else they can look at on their telephone. That's wonderful. If late
1: in life, as a result of things we're not going to talk about, I've become much more aware of how early life experiences do affect us. Death in my own, my loss of my father at age two. But just beginning to realize some of those feelings of an orphan of who's going to take care of me? So I would encourage people who have any struggle with relationship feeling at ease about establishing relationship, being in relationship, to really seek from the Lord if there's somebody that could help them work on that, because that in time in uh, turn would lead to much more ability to interact yeah. with those grandchildren. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that that's uh, uh um that prompts me to ask this question, and we'll wrap up with this. Uh, there, there's grandparents out there, perhaps listening to this, and this has not been their rhythm, and maybe they're sensing a little bit of a of a quickening in their heart and and a burden to do that. Is it too late uh, to start? No, no, if no, not, it's never if not, too late. Where do, where do they start?
1: You know, I didn't. I grew up. I was in rebellion. I didn't respond to anything. I had truth. Down me through child abandonment, through mm-hmm. everything. Um, then, when I got to medical school, well, I, I just chose to go the way of the darkness in the world. Got to medical mm-hmm. school, just such trauma brought me back, but it was more of an academic. I really loved the study, and it was not real relational and. I knew I wasn't real relationable. Nobody tried to explain it to me or help me Mm -hmm. with, or just, you know, you figure it out. Um, And so it wasn't until I was 54 that I began to realize, hey, you know, I got some real issues. I got some anger issues and I got these. And then it became, and then more progressively, and I would say it was Mm mid-60s that That I began began to really feel much freer to be more relational. Wow. I'm not totally free of it yet. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. I understand it a lot better. Not Don't beat myself up near as much as I used to.
0: Well, it sounds like there's a desire for it. There's a passion yeah. for it. and yeah. I know for a lot of us, when we get to this stage in life, our, our mission uh, is is family. And uh, that's what I sense with with you both. And that's certainly the case uh, in our family. Uh, I always like to close by uh, asking a light hearted question, uh, unless the question you asked me is a tough one. But uh, if you were interviewing me right now, what uh, one question would you want to ask me?
1: I want to hear in detail, all those family <laughs> stories that you just briefly alluded to.
0: They are just I'll tell full you of details yeah. and I want to hear them all. <laughs> I'll tell you, I will send you a book that my dad wrote.
2: Oh, right, uh,
0: and then also we we also wrote uh, our story um, about our family and some of the crisis that we've had, and I'll send that to you as well we as, a, as a thank you it. as a thank you for it. doing this interview. You go, wonderful. on our
1: biography list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you you both are a blessing, and it's great meeting you. Thank you so much for doing a wonderful job in this uh, this interview. Thank um, you,
3: thank you. Enjoy. Okay. It Take We're care. Good to talk to you again.
0: Oh, we will. We will. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me at mitchatbeforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.